This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport. You're listening to me, Charlie Hawkins, and I've been joined by the boys from the Back of the Nest podcast, DR Kernaz, James Howard and Nick Gillard. Thank you for joining me in the studio. The Premier League is upon us. No more pre-season. No more match fitness, match (laughs) sharpness. We're finally here. A big game this week, kicking off to Everton. We're going to be talking a little bit about season preview. Gary Cahill has finally signed... Also, a little bit about social media. Steve Parrish, that all seems to be developing a little bit. And, of course, we're going to be getting the opposing view for the Everton journalist. Hopefully, we won't talk too much about Zaha because we're hoping he's in Palace colours this weekend, okay. not Everton. Two days still to go, though. A lot could happen in the window. But we have been talking about transfer signings. We said Palace weren't doing much business. DR, you, was getting, you said the, the fans were frustrated. James, you was just sort of letting it play out a little bit you weren't getting as frustrated as DR <laughs> I, okay. I heard the players are frustrated as well uh, on the inside uh, a friend of a friend said that the oh, players sources. are really yeah. I like <laughs> no, it, sources. it is a reliable source yeah. um, DR can back me up on this because yeah. he was there too um, but he said the players were fuming that nobody had been signed so hopefully well it's you know. interesting that you say that because you know we know the fans get frustrated we are fans we talk to fans but the players they want to push on they want to compete they mm. want to be signing players they want to see this team do as well as they can especially when Palace have got 50 million for wan we know there's a balance in the book acts but as fans we don't see it as that way we want to see it reinvested in the team straight away but what I was going to say is we have signed Gary Cahill. All right, it might not be a name that gets everyone out their seats and it's a name that's going to dazzle in the lights, but he's a proven Premier League player. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Premiership. He's a good defender. James sort of, I'm scared, you seem to have rolled your eyes there. What are you making of the Gary Cahill signing? Uh, uh, to be honest with you, I was looking at the uh, social media from the other fans that were commenting on that move to Crystal Palace. 
Uh, and he was targeted by a number of clubs, including Arsenal. Mm. And most, I know a lot of Arsenal fans that would have had him, t- really yeah, had absolutely. him. Absolutely. Mm. And and to think that, you know, he was on a free transfer, so he's, he's, he's going to be in demand. I think that's a major coup for us, actually. Um, and I'm really, really happy with all the comments I've been reading about him, not from Palace fans, but other fans. Damien Delaney wasn't young when he started playing for us. Um, and he was a great servant for, for a good few seasons and, and helped push us for promotion in the early years, stay up. Cahill, no offence to Damo, sorry Luce, <laughs> um, is head and shoulders above him. Um, so not only will he steady the ship in there, bit of leadership, but also on the training ground, you've got players uh, like Woods coming through, who we hope to see. You've got Mitchell coming through, all right, he's a fullback, not centre-back, but hopefully there's a wise head in there and somebody perhaps we could keep at Palace to kind of help players through. The only problem we got is, I think, I can't remember where I said it, but the age of the squad worries me. Mm. Yeah. But what you are getting with Gary, I know you want to get in there, DR, is that you are getting this leadership. He's been there, he's done it, he's seen it all. Yeah. He can be a wise head for the younger players. But what I found interesting about this deal, he only played twice last season for Chelsea. We mentioned his age, 33, but you're going to get a fresh player. He hasn't, you know, he's had a year really. I don't want to say sitting on the bench, but he hasn't played for Chelsea. He's going to be fresh. He's not coming off an injury. So you, you're getting a young, fresh 33 year old, which is something to be said. Yeah, it is. But the only worry that I kind of have was the wages plus the age combination as Nick mentioned um, in terms of the player himself like, I'm not worried at all because I feel like he can still do it at the highest level at Premier League but it's the fact that we've got aging squad and he's going to be under contract until 35 years old and that's my only worry maybe it makes a bit more sense if one of Scott Dan or Martin Kelly leaves but I doubt Martin Kelly there's leaves. There's been rumours about Dan going, but every year there's rumours about Dan yeah. going. So if, if if Scott Dan actually does leave, then it makes a bit more sense. But overall, it's, it's, you look at our defence, you've got Mamby Dusako, James Tompkins, um, Gary Cahill. It's, it's looking good. I think a big influence is, um, I was just looking before coming on, that he played 61 caps for England and 39 of those were under Roy Hodgson. Mm. So Roy obviously knows him very, very well. And he knows he probably has got a player that look is fit, likes to keep himself fit, well disciplined. Um, even at the age he is, we all know that defenders can go on and on and on. And I think you know that's the reason we've probably just given him a two-year contract because you just never know if the legs are going to hold out. But I'm confident, and I think, and it was reported in the press that he's he's going to be on about 75k a week. But when you are signing him for a free transfer, they always get more in wages because yes. the yeah. club haven't paid a penny in a transfer fee. And not only that, I know as fans we say, oh, we signed him for two years, we've got him to his 35. He, him and his agent probably wouldn't have taken a deal for 12 months because they want that security of a two-year deal. And defenders, you mentioned there, James, the age, the freshness, but defenders, they've always got that first yard in their mind, yeah. doesn't he? He's a savvy defender. And something I like about Gary Cahill, he's not really a player that's in the news or, you know, diva at training, he's out one for drinking. He seems the ultimate professional, doesn't he? I think that's the player that Palace are getting here. And also he knows Roy. Mm, really yeah. knows Roy yeah. from the England days, so... You know. Yeah, and, and this is it. James just said, I mean, 39 caps under Roy Hodgson. Roy's going to get the best out of him. He knows how he works. Gary wants to stay in London. I genuinely think this is a better deal than maybe you can say more, but the majority of Palace fans are making out here. Well, it's a win-win. I mean, Roy's obviously said to him, look, come to us, I'm going to give you regular football. Whereas if he, you know, he's only had, like you said, the two appearances over the last 12 months. That must have been so frustrating for him to be an England international 
to play regularly every season up until one season ago. So he's thinking, this is, you know, the twilight of my career. I need to play regularly. Do I go to Arsenal? Might be end up on the bench again. So I think it's... It'd be starting, fan- James, don't worry. Fantastic. <laughs> well, maybe these days. Yeah. 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 But, We've but got yeah, no defenders. The, the, the only confusing bit is the... You know how you said he might start regularly? If he starts regularly, then James... Tompkins and Mamadi Sako combination, which worked fine. It means that that will have to break up. Well, Tompkins, a Tompkins is injured. Yeah, but when he comes back. Yeah, when he comes back. The other thing I saw on social media is that actually we're signing him so that Dan can play up front. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Scott Dan scored lots of goals for us under Alan Pardew, oddly enough. But I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> Didn't Tompkins play at fullback once or twice? Ah. Uh, I'm not saying he can, yeah. but I'm just wondering if, if that's a poss- possibility. I think he might have for West Ham, but it's not yeah, his preferred position. No, is it? Yeah, no, I no. can never imagine that. But mm, yeah, that's yeah. going to be interesting. But we I... haven't got fullbacks, have we, really? Yeah. So we are desperate in the fullback situation. Well, the there is just under two days in the transfer window uh, left. You have signed Gary Cahill. Can we see someone? I know it's less than 48 hours, but can we see Palace add into it now? Because we, we talked about Roy Hodgson's comments last week. Again, he said uh, he said he's come out in the media again. He said he wants another four signings. Palace might get one. I can't see them getting another four, can they? Well, before we before we move on to this chap Camarasa, who I've noticed that uh, a Spanish journalist has been tweeting about coming over from Real Betis, um, can we just have a moment? to celebrate the Crystal Palace career of um, Sorloth. Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. We need music. Um, <laughs> I think that it's, it's, it's been a harsh lesson for those who waited three days for the club shop to get those funny Danish shows in so they could get their name on the back of his shirt when he first signed. He's gone. Um, yeah. But they deserve a refund, don't they? <laughs> don't, don't sign anybody your mates recommend that you knew from years ago. And... If you do sign somewhere bad, there's always hope that somebody from Turkey will take them. Yeah, so. exactly. It's always like that. Trust me. I'm Turkish. and they used DR's connections yeah. on that field, didn't they? <laughs> the one at Apple waiting DR's for Sirloff. DR's the source at the club. Yeah. Okay, Honestly, now I'm getting it. I was it. so surprised. Like, I watched the videos and there was actual fans at midnight waiting for Sirloff to come. No. Oh, yeah. Really? Was, yeah, with flares and stuff. <laughs> Practice fireworks. I mean, you know, it was it's amazing. Like that. It's like that Turkey. But yeah, you mentioned the name Camarasa. Um, hopefully that's happening because that's the one transfer that I was actually looking forward to um he played well under warnock at cardiff last season got premier league experience and it seems like that's another transfer that could potentially be done in the coming day do you think warnock's putting a good foot word for us i think so i feel like yeah parish still has a good relationship with warnock and warnock has a good relationship relationship with palace and it seems like it anyway it's the way that it's worked out that's an interesting point actually because you would have thought he might have done but then i i Thought, and I read somewhere that Warnock was unhappy about the way he was moved on from Crystal Palace last time. Oh, they're Is all it? unhappy. It's all—it's like Spinal Tap, <laughs> in it? Crystal Palace managers. I don't, I, I don't think he'll, I don't. I don't think he'll hold the grudge. Like I'm not too sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Palace do bring players in, then is it? Will it now be seen as a not a desperate buy, but a panic buy? Because, you know, it's easy to say, well, we've had the whole window. Why are we now waiting till 48 hours left? We know other dominoes need to fall. But will this now be Palace caving into fan pressure or they would have gone after targets already in mind? Um, I'll, I'll say, I don't think so, because there has been a trickle of transfer activity over the last week or so. But... I don't think there's been a, a major amount of transfers going backwards and forwards. And I think, I think it's, it's been a quiet window on the whole, hasn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not easy to find players out there. And I think sometimes, you know, you, 
you've got to find a player to release a player. So, you know, for, for the likes of, of, well, I don't think Zaha will go because I think it's too late for him to go. But we would have needed to have had a replacement for Zaha to have allowed him to go. So I think there's always that questionable, you know, remark sort of whether or not you let a player go and take a risk in finding someone to replace him or you just... Well, and I think most clubs are now saying, well, we're not going to allow anyone to go unless we've got the replacement already lined up. James, do you think it's been a quiet window on the whole because of now financial fair play? And this is really how few windows could go on from here. I do, yeah. I, I definitely think it has. And uh, I think the, the also the money, I mean, the money is just crazy. It's just, just it's ridiculous. Yeah, You completely read my mind there. And the other thought that I had and I said it quite jokingly, but it, it could be a fortune, is the pound is tanking at the moment. You're not getting, <laughs> much, you're not getting much bang for your buck. Mm. So, you know... See, this, this isn't said, just a Crystal Palace fan yeah, show. This, this is, is financial. <laughs> this is You get it all here, eight to nine, Crystal Palace Some, on Love Sport. Somebody should have got on the blower to Steve Parrish and said, look, the pound's tanking. If you don't get these players in quick, <laughs> you ain't going to be able to afford them. We should be exporting a lot of players in. Yeah, like... Well, we should be Sherloff. Like Soiree <laughs> to... Yeah. Um, Soiree to Troy. Troy's? Troy's? How do, how, how do you um, pronounce it? But yeah, Pepe Soiree's gone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But in terms of panic... But in terms I like of your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Honesty is the best policy. But in terms of the panic buy, I feel like the right-back position might be a panic buy because with Gary Cahill, we were rumoured with him. With Camarasa, we, we were rumoured with him. And I know it's taken a bit while, but with right-backs, we've been rumoured with individuals, but it's like a day rumour, then it's gone. And it seems like there's no real... Um, I don't know, the real player that we're actually targeting. I thought so. you've hit the nail on the head there, Dio, because the rumours that we've spoke about in the last two weeks, not rumours, but so players, yeah. now we're not speaking about them this week. It's that sort of, the bubble sort of already washed away, hasn't it? Yeah, so it seems like a right-back position, which we desperately desperately do need, might be a panic buy. How, how good is this Mitchell, though, coming through? But he's a left-back. He's a left-back. And well, also, can... we, need, we need depth. Yeah, I know, but I I'm not too sure if he can play right-back, but we need depth at left-back as well because now Suarez is gone and Jeffrey Slup, he's, of course, Roy doesn't see him as a left-back. Well, Kelly, might... Kelly can cover. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if he could play full-back, to be honest. Well, yeah, DR, DR says they need a right-back. Nick brought up that they've got a left-back. Yeah. He might be able to switch. <laughs> they need more signings. They've signed Gary Cahill, but are they ready for the season? We're going to be taking a closer look next. Love sports. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I've been joined by the guys from the Back of the Nest podcast, DR Kernaz, James Howard and Nick Gillard. The season is upon us. We are starting with Everton. We've been talking a little bit about transfer window, but how ready are the Eagles for the new season, DR? We know it's been a quiet window, but how are you feeling ahead of the new season? Well... In terms of um, looking at pre-season results, I know pre-season is meant to be a fitness don't test, but it up, don't yeah, bring it up. the Hertha Berlin <laughs> game it didn't seem that great. But then again, we didn't have Wilfred Zaha, Cheko Kiato, which many people don't mention. He hasn't been with the squad as well, and I feel like he can still play a decent role. And of course, our main centre backs, um, Mamadou Sako. I know he's played a couple um, games, but he isn't. It doesn't seem like he's fully, he isn't fully fit. Yeah, and James Tompkins. So it's not like we've had a best squad out there. But I'm still looking forward to it. It's Palace and the actual football starts on Saturday. I feel like we've got a decent manager and Roy Hodgson who could actually keep us up, but I'm not too sure if he could bring us to the next step. But yeah, it's, it's, it should be an interesting season. We're not ready for the new season. Okay. But that's the Palace. <laughs> Don't hold back yet. <laughs> that's, that's the Palace way. We never are. I mean, Tony Pulis leaving the day before we've had in the Crazy. past. Um, so to actually have a manager 
that's going to be with us over two summers in a row. Uh, it kind of feels like it's steadied the ship, though you wouldn't have think so on uh, social media. Um, Zaha, I don't think, will be ready to play the full 90 minutes um, simply because he hasn't played with the team. Although our main option, I was saying at the weekend in the chat while we were watching the game, was um, he's our main option. Give it to Wilf. Without that, we we ain't much at the moment, I don't think. Um, seeing Maya do very well um, in the friendlies is good. Hopefully he'll get more game time. Um, so he can kind of fill the boots of Johan uh, Kabaya a little bit more because we missed him more than I thought we would last season. Yeah, personally, I'm really keen on seeing how well the forwards do. Um, they've been together for most of the summer. Um, OK, you might have missed a couple of weeks because he wasn't signed, um, but he'd been with the team last season. So He was um, busy getting the striker still, of the AFCON, so don't, don't yes, miss him, mate. So he's still, he's still relatively fit, but, but you've got Connor Wickham, who's now had a good six months... Uh, back in the squad. And this is a big year for Connor, isn't it? This yeah. is proven this year. Yeah. Do you know what? He's probably the, the the one player that I'm really keen on seeing develop. I would agree with you there. Over the summer. And Benteke, you know, I, I still haven't... I'm sorry. I know DR thinks it's going to be possibly a season, but I'm still not <laughs> You have confident. to believe, James. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, if we keep Zaha brilliant, we'll always, always, always rely on him. Uh, Connor Wickham, I think, could be the surprise package if he stays fit. Um, and then maybe, uh, you know, are you an, I'm confident and hopeful that we'll get another decent striker in before the end of the week as the, well. The weird thing about Conor Wickham is that around, like two days ago, um, there were rumours that uh, he could possibly join a championship club. So I wonder. Really? If, yeah, I, I saw what that on social club? media. I think Bristol City, I 100% remember that, but I'm not too sure about the two other clubs. So that's that could be interesting. If Conor Wickham leaves us, is that does that mean another striker is coming? Or I'm not too sure. But yeah, in terms of. That would be very strange, though, just mm. to interrupt, wouldn't it? Considering yeah. Palace stuck by him through the injury hell when they gave him a new contract only six months ago. They gave him that extension, didn't they? Well, can I bring up social media at this point? Because the, the waters are so obfuscated. What is true? What is what is rumour? I mean, I've just true. quoted a, a Spanish journalist talking about... Um, yeah, Victor the, uh, Camarasso. Yeah, Camarasso. And, you know, I said, oh, he's a journalist. It must be true. But we've had stories that... The transfers are being talked up by people who are going to get a percentage if the players sold. Now, I don't mm. know whether there's any truth in those sort of rumours. I think there is, 100%. I feel like agents, every summer, they will always push stories just and to benefit only, them. So yeah. it's, you, I feel like with Zaha, it's been a similar type of situation because you saw it, um, journalists were saying that Everton are going to put in a second bid, but Everton actually put out a statement saying that that's not true. I feel like... They did put a first bid, but then after that, it's not true. But yet again, today, we're still talking about Everton putting a new bid in. Back when Steve Parrish used to talk to podcasts uh, in our whole radio <laughs> days, we interviewed him a few times, and he did say in one of the interviews that 95% of what you read in the newspapers is absolute tosh, but he used a different word. Hmm. But why do the fans still believe it? Because we're so thirsty for any news about our club. We we buy into it, we, we get committed, we're invested. And we know, we've just said it there, Nick, you just said, more than likely, it's not true. Because it helps us get away from all the other rubbish in our life. Somebody, somebody's <laughs> saying, oh, I'm really not looking forward to going to football Saturday. It's going to be wrong. And I said, I don't care if we win. Well, I do care if we win. <laughs> yeah. But it's that 90 minutes of the There's rest escapism. of your life being out the window 
I'm throwing things out the window here with my hands. Um, and the, the the whole day and however we're doing, we're, we're still going to be there, most of us. I mean, there'll be a few plastics that will disappear if we get relegated. But but that that's the whole point of the football, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it's, just it's the, the build-up, it's the gossip, it's the chat, it's just the way we operate. You know, some people like to unwind and, and watch soaps like EastEnders. Mm. Um, we like to unwind and, and watch and listen to yeah. football. And uh, the, the only reason you can do I... both, James. James, you can do both. There's a world for both, mate. <laughs> the only reason I'm here on a Tuesday is because Holby City's on. I ain't sitting through that. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving this show to Wednesday. <laughs> no, look, we are talking about, but we are so thirsty for any transfer news. And it's almost the agents, they have to talk up a player. They know now. It's almost clickbait, isn't it? They know they can wind up the fans. And they know fans can create such momentum towards owners. I mean, we're talking, we have been speaking about social media a lot. But now we're speaking about Steve Parrish on social media. Is there a pressure to sell Zaha? Isn't there a pressure to sell Zaha? There's pressure from above. It's just, it's like a vicious cycle, isn't it? Yeah. With the Steve Parrish situation, um, it's the fact that, it's the abuse that yesterday he posted on his Instagram and Twitter that we signed Gary Cahill and the abuse under it was just unwarranted. I, I was just I disgusted agree. by some fans. It's the fact that, all right, he's a supporter too and he's an owner and not every decision he's made is correct. I've criticised him a lot. But, like, it's just, what, what's the point? We just signed a new player. All right, you might not be happy with the transfer, but personally abusing the chairman is just childish. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Twitter needs a thing to come up. Before you post anything, it says, would you say this to their face? And then you can decide whether you post <laughs> Then there'll it or be not. no tweets. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it's like. Everyone's nowadays, you just let it all out on In a broader media. stroke then, are we now fans, I'm generalising us, let's take out Palace, just are we as fans, have we got greedy because we always want more? We wanted a signing, we got Gary Cahill and it's like, well, we want this, we want a right back or we want someone bigger. We just, we never seem to be happy. The majority don't seem to be happy. Not if you're a Berry fan, you just want your club to survive. And yeah. that's the sad thing. You've got all this money floating about and, you know, the grassroots is, is losing well, out. And I know I'm moving, moving away mm. from, from that, but the money's just being sucked up to the top and... You know, we want more. But Gary Cahill, 75000 a week. I mean, how much would he need to realistically earn to be set up for life? Yeah, but it's a business. That's why I know, I know it is, but it's... But it's, every, every problem's relative because, you know, you see, like, Palace arguments or Newcastle, they want to boycott the club, and then you do look to a Bolton or a Berry, and you think, oh, well, we're not in that situation. But it's relative to your club, isn't it? You well, know, if Gary Cahill comes in and has a fantastic season then he's worth every money that he's paid every, uh, for weekly. But, hmm. but last two seasons, Benteke, who's, I won't say what he's paid, but I suspect it's considerably more, hasn't been worth the money he's been paid. And quite rightly, the fans are frustrated and they are giving grief to the club, saying, why do we keep hanging on to him? Why can't we replace him and get a new striker? And I think that's why, me personally, I'm, I'm concerned that we aren't moving on because we're not cutting our losses and we're not replacing players that we should be. But no one has a crystal ball, James. You know, at the time of signing Benteke, I was excited. I'm not a Palace fan. I thought, they've signed Benteke. He's, you know, he's brilliant. He's an international. He's done it in this league. Admittedly, we've not got the productivity out of him in the last two years. Fans get frustrated. We need to replace him moving on. But at the time when Palace did sign him, they didn't know that was going to be the case, did but they? At the time, he scored 17 goals in that season. <laughs> so it's not like we... We forget like things, been a yeah, We're fickle. Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's been a complete failure. Of course, when you look at the last two seasons, 
seasons, injuries played a part and he doesn't seem like the player he was because of confidence issues and whatever. So, But he has scored goals at Palace and I know many people don't believe in him anymore, but he's fit now. He's played pre, he's had his pre-season, so that's kind of Wickham. So all we have to do is hope for the best. What is it they, they say when golfers can't part? Is it they've got the gyps or something? I'm the just yips. hoping The yips. Mm. I'm just hoping. That's that, what I have. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping on every to, hole. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I played pitch and putt once when I was eleven, and that was it because I got club in the head because I wasn't looking where I was going. Um, maybe I, I, I say it every year. Hopefully, this will be the season he comes good, and it will save a lot of money. But it's, we've almost got a plethora of strikers, and we're saying, oh, we need another striker. I mean, James Daly looks like he might break through this season. I don't think so. I'll no. be real honest. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I feel like the youth has... Well, I was talking about this on the pod the other day. I feel like the youth is disappointed in this um, pre-season because they had a chance against Barnet. It got absolutely battered. And yeah, I, 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 I just don't see a thing. I just don't see Roy trusting youth by his comments. It's like, yeah, Mitchell, he looked decent, but he, of course he's injured. And even like Luke Drell, he doesn't, he doesn't seem like he sees them as real options out there. Is Dean Kiley at the academy now? Yeah, he didn't Kylie. He's not. I think he's, he's the coach. Go, goal yeah, goal, coach. Yeah, goalkeeper. Coach. Yeah, no, yeah, he because he, he actually spoke about the academy coming through, and he said fans don't want to hear it. This was on Love Sport the other day, but he said you have to stick with it because he's at Palace at the minute, and yeah. the kids coming through are gonna. They're very potential stars. They're rising stars, the next generation. But as fans, when there's two days left of a window that hasn't been great, you don't want to hear about the next fourteen-year-old who in five years is going to be fantastic, do you? I suppose. No, unfortunately, you know, we're not in a championship anymore. And these academy players, if they're going to make the first team, they're going to have to have the game of their lives. And then they're going to have the game and they're going to have to have the game of their lives for the next week and the week after the week after. There's no room for any errors or weakness. Which is exactly what Bissaka did. Exactly. And And the season later, where where Quid's in. He, I mean, yeah, but a one Bissaka comes around every 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. 50 million though you did balance the books well we are talking the season preview there's still more to cover we're going to be talking a little bit more about the game we've touched on him a little bit but we're going to be talking about him a lot more next it's Wolf Zaha away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery you in order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport with me, Charlie Hawkins. I've been joined by the Back of the Nest podcast with DR Kernaz, James Howard and Nick Gillard. And just before we went there, we were talking a little bit about season preview. Gary Cahill has signed. We're going to be talking a little bit about Zaha, but Nick brought up a very good point. Nick, what was you on about Palace fans? Well, James was just going on about perhaps pushing on or, or staying where we are. Um, 
the, the Premier League is like three divisions and, and we're going to be stuck in that division. I don't want to end up like Charlton fans and chucking everything out and stopping this steady progress. We've had seven years in the top league. This is unprecedented for us. An established side. It, it's established, like Stoke were. Mm. We thought Stoke were. So, you know, we know it's not going to last forever. But with all the wishful thinking, remember Charlton years ago when they got mm. rid of Kirbishley and, yeah, they... Mm. We see Palace fans, they really want to push on. They think we should be pushing for that seventh spot. Mm. Are, we, are we in danger of overinflating everything and, and just crashing and ending up in League One? Yeah, I think there's two camps of fans out there that, that some really want us to push on and spend, spend, spend and improve every season. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to keep changing the manager. I want some stability. I've been quite... I was happy with Roy Hodgson throughout the whole season. Um... And, you know, if we do end up mid-table, I'm happy with that. Uh, maybe get a cup run. What I was saying is just I'm not saying that we've got to spend millions and millions and, and buy lots of players. I just feel that sometimes we have to recognise that there is a weak link in the team. Um, and we do need to sort of replace players and improve on those situations. I mean, you know, for example, it was the Benteke um, position I was, I was sort of um, referring to. He's been, yep, yeah, DR, you're right. The first half of the or first season, he did okay. He did well. He got some penalties and some goals. And But, you know, last two seasons, he hasn't been doing the business. He's Yeah, he's been and out injured. But even when he's been fit, he just doesn't look like he's, he's with it. He doesn't hold on to the ball, doesn't pass. He's not scoring enough. I just think sometimes we have to cut our losses and, and there has to be a bit more ambition to say, look, actually, we need to, we need to move on in that situation. But I'm certainly not saying we need to move on because Roy's not improving every season or we're not improving and we're not pushing for a Europa place. You know, good luck to the teams like Wolves. Good luck to Leicester. You know, they've done really well. Good luck to Burnley. They got into Europe. Mm. If we do it, it'll be fun. I think we'll, we will have overachieved if we get a Europa place or we get in. We got, I think we were 10th two seasons ago. So yeah. we have done pretty well. But. Yeah, we did drop back last season, but we had our reasons for it. Um, but most definitely, our, at the end of next season, you know, hand on heart, I'll be just happy if we survive. But I feel like the frustrations are actually coming from the teams that you listed in a way that teams are, fans are looking at Wolves, they're looking at even like Southampton, they had their season uh, back in the day. I know not right now, but the Watford. Money got. Yeah, Watford. But that's well. That's the thing. People don't think about the money. They just look at the teams. They're like, well, they were in our position and they managed to go for Europa League play. So why can't we? But of course, they don't think about the money. They don't think about us spending eighty percent of our revenue uh, on wages and how tight we are right now. But that's what I think that's what triggers it and that's why it's becomes more hostile, especially on social media because people's ex- expectations have drastically changed by what by looking at other clubs and seeing where they are. A thought's just occurred to me again about the ageing squad. We do need to get people in because if the average age is 28, 29, and then next year we haven't got any younger players in, the average age is going to be 30, suddenly we're going to have to replace 
eight or nine players rather than two or three. And, you know, is that sustainable to try and do it that way? Nick, also, you mentioned there was a very, really interesting point that the Premier League is almost three divisions in itself. There's almost different tiers, the top tier, the elite tier, the middle tier, the lower one. Is that how fans view it and that they settle almost for their tier or should we try to break into that next tier? It's very difficult because then as the tiers change, so does the money. The days of Nottingham Forest getting promoted and then winning the, the top division... The, the season after that or the season they get promoted long gone long but so, gone but more recent are the days where Leicester just won the Premier League so we mm. have seen it happen and there they wasn't someone before that happened you would have put them in that top tier would you? Yeah but have you seen a team that has suffered so few injuries in a season there was a lot of luck in that uh, I think they still done it though over a 38 game season we can't discredit that no I think that season was I think now Nick is absolutely spot on yeah no but I think a couple of seasons ago when Leicester did was it four seasons ago I think that Man City were going through a massive change Man United were going through a massive change and it was that season where there was you know obviously so much change going on in those top four clubs um and Wenger was under pressure that Leicester almost took advantage Ferguson had left and Leicester kind of just got that situation just perfect for them. Didn't have any injuries. Had a, kept the same eleven week in week out. It was like fourteen out. starters, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Was so low. But but next season, it's it's likely to be just between Man City and Liverpool again. <laughs> you, you say that when Liverpool were winning the European Cup in the seventies. I think all season they used 16 players. All right, they didn't have, they only had two subs then. But, but to do the whole European Cup, okay, it wasn't group games. It was knockout from the start, which is how it should be, kids. Proper, proper <laughs> yeah. cup football. And um, you can see I'm a bit wrecked show now, maybe, <laughs> maybe for the first time. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, all going wrong. I still feel like we've un- we, we underachieved last season in terms of our home form. It was just poor by our even even if we're meant to stay up the fact that we struggled that badly at home and you had Ray Lewington uh, after the game actually speaking and saying that saying exactly what the fans were saying and saying that oh opposition played different at home and we need to change it but there's no there's no signs of anything changing that's why it's getting that's why we'd be frustrated well this is it this is our fans their perception changes because after one good year James you said two seasons ago we came 10th then last year was a bit of a struggle our home from one great and straight away DR not as in to put it on you but you're like we've let ourselves down we've done a lot worse when really the perception should be or the standard should I say every year not just to survive but mid-table we're happy with it whether we have a little blip or a little downhill run we're still here we're still establishing ourselves but when we do climb a little bit people's standards and aspirations change don't they yeah they do uh, and it's like nick's right is there is split into three and uh, we're in that middle section i think where we sort of just hover above the bottom three um but we're unlikely to break into the top six so we are just about sort of surviving and um hopefully maintaining our premiership um, position in the your status well yeah. DR you said you do want Palace to push on how mm. do they push on realistically well if you keep the if you look at it away from last season it was perfectly fine I think we were ranked sixth but you look at our home form it was just dreadful it's a simple thing of changing tactics and that's why I was frustrated with Roy Hodgson because he was we, we were completely a different side away from him and then at home and it wasn't hard to spot even Ray Lewin he said it the other day he said it that Teams play differently, but we didn't make any changes to adapt to that. So simple changes like that, not even like personnel changes, simple changes like that could make a huge difference and it could lead us on going to the next step. 
Well, let me ask you a quick question then, because I am actually a fan of Roy Hodgson. Roy is someone who I think is better than a lot of opposing fans and social media makers. Mm. It's very easy to fire jokes at Roy Hodgson, but he's actually achieved quite a lot in his career. He has kept Palace up. He's done a great job at Palace. You're happy to have him there doing that, keeping you up. Say Palace were to have an influx of money, ridiculous amounts. Would you still want him as the man to go and spend that amount? No. Yeah. No. See, I, don't think, I don't think so because look, Roy Hodgson, he was happy with Gary Cahill, but I don't know if that was. He, he doesn't. He he tells Dougie Freeman and the board what sort of player he wants, and then it's down to Dougie to find that sort of player. He doesn't say, "Oh, go out and get me a Yap Stam." Or oh, go on, show me. I don't wear Yap Stam. Twenty <laughs> years ago, <laughs> Nick couldn't even cut the mustard at Reading. I was even alive when he played. We are talking. Look, so you don't want Roy <laughs> to spend. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want Roy to spend the money. But is it that a little bit? Fans having their cake and eating. Yeah, we want Roy to keep us in the league. But if we get money, no, we don't want Roy to spend it. Is, is that a little bit? I, don't, uh, I guess so. Well, you, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got those typical, those type of managers, haven't you, that will always be sort of bottom half, the premiership managers, you know, Pulis, Allardyce, Hodgson. They're never I really... I think Hodgson's better than that. Well, he did get Fulham into Europe. Europa, they yeah, got yeah. to a Europa League final. Yeah, so yeah. he did very, very yeah, well. People forget um, that. And, and that's why I still... Th- believe in Roy being a, a successful manager at Crystal Palace. Harry Kane on corners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. there's pros and cons. Well, we're talking Roy about Hudson. the highlights, not the lowlights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about it, because we, we spoke about him a little bit, but not loads. Zaha, I mean, it's different for teams. You know, they sit there, they wait, transfer. Who are we going to sign? Who are we going to sign? The, the opposing flip side of that coin is some fans are like, please don't lose anyone, please don't lose anyone. Could you lose Zaha? And is it kind of a cruel twist of fate that the first game this weekend is Everton? <laughs> indeed, indeed. I just I just wanted the game to be about, you know, lording him over the Zenith Data Systems Cup trophy that we, uh, that we beat him at uh, back in the day at the old Wembley. Um... He's. All I haven't seen. Yeah. I haven't seen any quotes from Wilf. I've seen quotes from his brother, who seems to be stirring things up. I've seen quotes from people from sports TV stations who look quite embarrassed when mm. complete opposite of what they said is read out. Um, we've seen statements from Everton saying that um, we put a bid in and. It didn't get accepted, and as far as we're concerned, that's it. Suddenly, this has come out again. We've got a uh, well-known newspaper economists who are Palace supporters saying that it is on. You've got photos of Wilf on social media today, back at training, really, really happy. You've got a photo of Wilf on social media modelling the new horrible wibbly-wobbly-away kit, looking like he really didn't want to be there. I just don't know what's going but, on. But Wilf did say that he wants to play Champions League football. And I feel like that's his way of saying, yes, I wouldn't mind a step, like I wouldn't mind a new challenge and going on to the next step. Wilf is not going to come out and say, I don't see Wilf coming out and saying that I want to leave Crystal Palace. But that's been the closest thing. He has said that he wants to move to the next step and get a new challenge. So it's not like Wilf has denied everything. He he has he has admitted that he wants a new. Well, like, Justin Shortland, yes or no? I'll ask the three of you: Will Wilf be a Crystal Pla- Crystal Palace player on Saturday, or will he be an Everton one? Yes, but he'll be on the bench for Palace. Yeah, yeah, I've, uh, Palace. Palace. Well, three yeses here. I'm going to make it four. Zaha <laughs> is a Palace player. But next, we're going to be talking to Elliot Cuff, who's an Everton journalist. 
who may have a different answer. Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport, and I'm joined with the boys from the Back of the Nest podcast, DR Kernaz, James Howard, and Nick Gillard. And yes, it is time for the opposing fans' view. And I'm delighted to say I've been joined by Elliot Cuff, editor of Reed Everton. Elliot, thank you for joining us tonight. Before we look at the Premiership kickoff and the, the first game, Palace Everton, there's another big story here. Will Zaha be an Everton player? Have Everton given up in their pursuit for Wilf? It's a really interesting one, actually. I'm not quite sure what the situation is. I think that uh, if you'd asked me a couple of days ago, I would have said, yes, Everton had given up and moving on. Um, but it seems that then they're still determined to land their man. I think Marcus Silva is determined to get in a, uh, a right-sided winger this, this summer. Um, and with not many other targets emerging at the moment, it looks like he might go that he might go down to the wire where he, he does go all out to try and bring in his man. So it'll be something really interesting to follow up until that deadline. I, I'm not quite sure which way I'd put money on now, but um, it will be really interesting to see where he does end up. Are you not worried that we kind of made mugs of you selling you Balassi for a ridiculous amount of money when we knew he couldn't do anything in front of goal? In, in a way, yeah, I think. But I think Everton are in a, in a difficult position at the moment where um, if we want to compete with the top six, if we want to eventually break that uh, that barrier, we need to be bringing in these players. And any club around us knows what Everton want to do. They know the tactic we're trying to approach, uh, trying trying to you know utilise, and they overcharge. Yeah, same you... with Swansea. And Gil- same with Swansea and Guilfi Sigurdsson. Forty five million for Guilfi Sigurdsson from Swansea was unnecessarily high, but Swansea will make us pay it because they know we're desperate to bring in those names. So it is a worry, but. I suppose if it does pay off, then we'll be laughing all the way to the to the top six. Um, it's it's a gamble I think we have to take, and fingers crossed. I mean Zaha's better than Balassi anyway. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. There's um. So, so let's let's hope it pays off. There's there's talk of you know a couple of your players being part exchange as part of the deal. Um, what's the what's what do you what do you view on the Tosin? Because obviously if we lose Zaha, that's a major, uh, you know, um, vacancy in our striker department so how do you think Tosin would fit in for us? Uh, I think he'd fit in quite well to be honest uh, last season you utilised Christian Benteke in that forward role and he's quite a big presence um, but also he's good with the ball at his feet and I know he didn't have the most successful of seasons. Uh, Cenk Tosin's very similar in that regard, he's a big man he can, he he can get on the ball in the box but also he's good with his feet. Uh, the problem is he had a really poor run last season but Towards the beginning of the year, he was really impressive with his hold-up play, with the way he distributed the ball. But Marcus Silva wasn't very patient. He wanted the goals right then and there, and he, he took him out of the team straight away. Um, but I think if he's given the chance to impress under a manager, given that run of games, to find his, his footing, uh, I think he'd be really impressive for you. Um, and I, you know, he's, he's a, Also, I know it's not the most important thing when you're looking at prospective transfer deals, but he's a really nice bloke, and it'd be really nice to see him succeed with a club like Crystal Palace. Elliot, just two quick questions. We were speaking uh, to the boys from the Back in the Nest podcast, talking a little bit about Roy Hodgson, and I said they seem happy with Roy when he's there, keeping him up, making Palace survive, but they wouldn't necessarily have Roy in charge if they did have a lot of money to spend. Over at Everton, you do have a lot of money to spend. Marco Silva's the man to be spending that money. Is he the right one to be spending that cash? I think so. I think it's difficult at the moment in the transform- in the, the, the business of hiring and firing new managers because a good manager that's going to be cost-effective and find you the right players is, is few and far between. And we've seen in the past, you know, we sacked Ronald Koeman after a 
particularly poor run of, of form. And we gave Sam Allardyce the job because there was no one else going. And he was disastrous for us, even though he did get that eighth place finish. He was someone who was almost universally hated across the board from the Everton fan base. So it's difficult. Um, I, I like Marcus Silver. I think he's really talented. He's, he's not the finished article yet, but he's certainly a, a talented young coach. Um, and I feel very confident that he is the right man to spend the money. And it's not just because of Silver, but also because of Marcel Brands, who is our head of uh, our director of football, who comes from PSV. He's got a great record. His, his CV is very impressive. And that pairing seems to have worked wonders last last summer with the majority of our uh, summer signings. So whenever I see Silver and Brands approach someone now, like Azaha, it does give me a lot more faith that we are moving in the right direction and spending the money correctly and in the right places. So you've, you've, you've brought quite a few players in. Do you think they'll be ready to roll on Saturday? Do you, do you think you, you'll hit the ground running when you play us? It's hard to say, really, because in pre-season we've been quite poor in front of goal. We haven't really scored any goals. Um, Calvert-Lewin has not been that impressive. Cenk Tosin hasn't played at all because he's been injured um, or just coming back from an injury. But we have brought in the new signings this week, this, uh, this Jean-Philippe Gabamin, this Moise Keane, who is a really promising striker. If he settles quickly, then I think we could be really impre- we could be really threatening. Bernard and Richarlison out wide are really impressive, really dynamic. Uh, Marcus Silva likes to play expansive, free-flowing football. So possibly, but it all depends on how well Keane takes to uh, the ground, whether he comes in straight away from the off, ready to go, fit and firing and impressing. Then I think it will be a tough game for Palace. But Palace are a side that Everton have historically struggled against in the last couple of years. So it's not one I am... I'm expecting a win. I'm just hoping I'm hoping we, we get a good result. Just a bigger look then away from this game. It is the new Premiership season. Do you uh, realistically think that Everton can break into that top six? I think they can, but I don't think they will. I think they have the right tools at their disposal. They have the right players, but it all comes down to the moments on the pitch and Everton don't really seem to have enough of that. It's very much a case of we have a good team on paper and we don't quite get the right execution. I think teams like Leicester and Wolves are also in a similar position where they're building very good units of players, but it all depends on how they approach each game. Everton still, I mean, towards the back end of last season, we beat Chelsea, Manchester United and Arsenal in, in, a, in a row of fixtures. But in general, we struggle against the top sides. And I think if we struggle against the top sides and we lose to teams like Burnley and we lose two, uh, we lose 3-2 to Newcastle, games like that, mean that Everton don't deserve to be in the top six. Um, so whereas they have the right tools at their disposal, I don't think they're quite ready yet to break through. They can do, and if they if it happens, it wouldn't be a massive surprise, but I still wouldn't want to put money on it. Elliot, last, last question for you. Palace fans are quite down on Palace at the moment across social media, and, um, but other, other teams' fans seem to have a better impression of Palace. How do you reckon Palace will do this year, and why? What... what, what what do you think of when you think you're going to play Palace? Well, as I said, we have a bit of a checkered uh, relationship in terms of the past results, so I'm not overly that confident when we play Palace, but I quite like Crystal Palace as a club, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on the Crystal Palace show. Um, <laughs> well saved. I, I, I'm, a big, <laughs> I'm a fan of the club, and I, and I hope they do well. I'm not quite sure how Roy Hodgson fits in, because when you appointed him as manager, I thought that was quite underwhelming, and I think initially he seemed to do quite well. Um my main issue with Palace so far is they haven't really signed anyone this summer. They haven't made any big splashes in the transfer market. And I don't know whether that's you don't have the funds or you're just not being able to bring in the right players. But I mean, I've seen uh, this, 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 you know, these last couple of days, it seems that Everton are about to sign 
Jabril Sidibe from Monaco, and that's another player you were linked with who you've now missed out on. Um, you've, brought in back, you've brought back Jordan Ayew, but that's someone who, from an outsider's perspective, doesn't seem that inspiring. So I'd like to hope you can, you can try and get towards that 11th, 12th, 13th place finish. Uh, I think you're certainly good enough to stay in the Premier League compared to a lot of the, uh, the teams towards the back end of the, of the bottom half. But I think you haven't brought in the necessary players to really kick on and try and launch an attack on that top 10. Um, but I, yeah, as I said, I really hope Palace have a really good season, just as long as it's not against Everton. Elliot, then, just lastly, score prediction for Saturday. Um, I am going to go 1-0. I think it'll be quite a cagey affair, and I'm going to say 1-0 to start the season. One all. There you go. Elliot Cuff, editor of Reed Everton there. One all. Can you believe it? I want to get your score prediction now from the three of you. You, d- you didn't say good evening. Andy Gray had <laughs> big words with you last week about you being listening. polite to guests. Yeah. And you were straight I'll... in. You didn't say good evening. Your cards mark some. Nick, what I've done there, I've tried to put that in a box and forget right. about it. And oh. you've, just, you've just opened that really bad memories. At least you know someone's listening. Yeah, you was. I appreciate yeah. that, Nick. Honestly, I've tried to forget about that all week. I meant to go straight in yeah. there. Never mind, never mind. Nightmares. Um, yeah, so let's get a score prediction from you, Freedom. Uh, who's starting? If we got Wilf, 2-1, Palace. If not, 1-0. I'll say 1-0, um, and I'll be happy with that, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Come on, James. I, 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 oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'll go... <sighs> One nil Palace. Ah, here we go. <laughs> Re- regular to... listeners of this show will know, and Johnny Burrow knows that I hate VAR. So I was just wondering if this season, just to show how ridiculous VAR is, can we predict how much time will be added onto a game? It's not ridiculous, but I reckon there'll be an extra fifteen minutes on Saturday oh, down wow. to VAR. I think that's too much. Yeah, Nick. that's too that's much. A you lot just of hate time. It. You just hate it. That's why you're we saying that. Write these down. I think, se- I think seven seven minutes. I think even that's the, long. Even that that's is, long. Yeah. yeah, like five four 15's minutes. Fifteen's re- yeah, no 15 way. Minutes. Are we adding both halves though. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, overall yeah, the whole yeah, game. Yeah. Fifteen minutes is still way too long. I know you don't like it, but it's still it's going to help us next season. And sometimes it will go against us, of course, but. At least now, people, for us, it's very good because if Zaha stays and people are saying, oh, Zaha's a diver, well, look, there's VAR now. I know it's not going to be 100% correct, but referee can get some help. And there were so many calls last season where it went against us. And Look, it's going to benefit you so. in games and it's going to yeah. go against you. It's going so to, I'm looking forward everyone's to it. in yeah, I'm this. looking forward to VAR next season. Did you say seven? I'll say, no, four to five. Yeah, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to go five. Yeah, I really don't think it would be more than five. <laughs> Why are you putting your 15? Oh, well, you put your 15. What, what are you saying, six. James? Six. six. James, what are your feelings on VAR? I'm all for it. I'm all You're for it. it. I, I, to be honest with you, watching the Cricket World Cup, the Test Match, Wimbledon, I, 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 love, I love all this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's just because there's so the officiating out there is so poor in, in a lot of sports. Um, and it's not necessarily their fault. It, they're under a lot of pressure. And I think they just need the support. of, And we've got the support in technology, so why not use it? Exactly. We always complain about referees going against us. Well, now we've fight, there's VAR that could actually help the referees and help their decision-making. I'm thinking about the fan experience for the paying punter in the ground. I think mate. this is it. I think sport as a spectacle, you know, it does take away from the drama and entertainment. But there is drama in maybe watching it, but we're still not quite sure how it works. It does need clarifying the whole VIA room, the VAR room, whatever mm. it is, eight officials... 27 TV screens, 
very different. But replays are getting shown in all Premier League stadiums this season. So apart from Anfield, because they haven't got a screen. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which is that, true, that's isn't it? That's poor. Yeah. <laughs> that's really poor. So if you're getting a decision up there, you ain't going to be able to know, which is it's quite interesting. It's almost like Wimbledon, you know, when the Hall Quite system, because that's going to play a part, isn't it, into the ref's mind, I guess. Yeah, I'm, you, you talk about cricket. Cricket, at least it's visual, you can see it. It's, mm. it's whether something's a foul or not, and whether there's intention there. And, and you're going to hear kids in the park saying, no, that's a VAR, we can't decide. What's the point of having a ref? On Sunday mm. football, if you know, if you, if it can't be like the top game, then you're taken away from the whole sport. But you're also going to be like, yeah, we won that, and we wasn't cheated because of a ghost goal or a, yeah. a penalty that was never. So you know, if you've won it and you've not lost it on a dubious decision, well, this has been the Crystal Palace Fan Show with the back of the Nest Podcast. We'll be back next week, and hopefully, we'll be back with three points against Everton. Eagles, Eagles. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.